You know, the thing that separates elite athletes from the wannabes are, are you willing to do things away from the gym, away from training, things that might not be fun, things that might be monotonous, that contribute to you training in a positive way or having a good training session. So for me, it actually starts when I wake up out of bed. I start my day with an ice bath. Welcome to the Bar Ben Podcast, where we talk to the smartest minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is proudly brought to you by barbend.com. All right, folks, today we're fulfilling a fitness dream of mine, and that's because we have Bobby Maximus on the show. If you've never heard of Bobby Maximus, well, he was one of the original fitness badasses online, and he's got the credibility to back that up. He's a former professional fighter. He's actually appeared on The Ultimate Fighter twice with basically a decade or more apart between those. We talk about those appearances. He's a consultant to the military, pro athletes, you name it, this guy has done it. We talk about Bobby Maximus's insane career in fitness, why he works out three times a day, basically every day, and why he's been doing that since he was around 15 years old, as well as busting some pros and cons of that approach, some myths and misconceptions about how he approaches fitness and wellness. And honestly, we have a lot of fun doing it. And there might even be a few pop culture references. You know, I like to sprinkle those in. Hope you all enjoy. Bobby, I've been a fan of your work for a while from way before we started Barbed years ago. So it's fun to sit down and talk to you in real time for the first time. I got to ask, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? And how's training been going lately? All right. So first of all, I'm having a great fucking day. By the way, I should ask, can I cuss on this thing? Please, please. Uh, you know okay. what? So, so no matter what, you will end up, no matter how hard you try, you will not beat our record for swearing on this podcast, which is, uh, which is held by two-time guest to Joe Sullivan. So no matter enough. what. Fair enough. So uh, first of all, I'm having a fucking great day. Number two, it's an honor and a privilege to be on this podcast. Uh, one of the things that I always try to keep in mind is I'm doing something that I love. I get to work out for a living. I get to broadcast my message for a living. I'm not chained to a desk. I'm not working for the machine. I'm not having someone at Goldman Sachs, not that I have a problem with them, yelling at me 24-7 like I'm doing something I love. And Every time a person thinks highly enough of me to have me on their podcast, that's what makes it a great fucking day. Like it is, it is an honor and privilege. So I, I, I feel great about that. And as far as training goes, training's up and down. You know, I've, I've worked out two to three times a day for 29 years. Now there have been the odd day I've taken off, but to me, I don't look at training anymore as I had a great day of training or a bad day of training. It's too much mental stress to carry around. It's something that I do that as long as I pour myself into that foundation, it builds uh, for success in other areas. So just the fact that I showed up today, I did my job. What did you, what was training like today? Take us through, take us through one, one of your set, take us through a session today. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and, and this is by the way, pretty indicative of a typical day for me. I wake up. And I believe that training starts outside the gym. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing that separates elite athletes from the wannabes are, are you willing to do things away from the gym, away from training, 
things that might not be fun, things that might be monotonous that contribute to you training in a positive way or having a good training session. So for me, it actually starts when I wake up out of bed. I start my day with an ice bath. So I was in the ice bath this morning for three minutes, get up and start my day, uh, you know, pre-workout nutrition. I go to the gym. Uh, today was a lower body power development day. And so I did a lot of uh, corrective stuff to start the workout, prehab, if you will. Different trainers call it different things, but just movement pattern drills to keep myself healthy. At 44 years old, health and longevity become really important to me. You know, and so the warm up is a big part of my workout. Then I did some heavy fat bar cleans, some broad jumps, and I did some Nordic curls. And so that was my first session. From there, I went to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and it was open mat. So I would count that as a workout today. Um, sometimes Jiu Jitsu, if you're just working technique, it's not a workout, like it's an activity, if you will. Today, it happened to be a workout. And then my third workout of the day, will be tonight I am running sprints. And so that's pretty indicative of a day. And what I mean by pretty indicative is there's some type of weight, agility, or jump training in the morning, followed by a Brazilian jiu-jitsu session, which is either technique dominant or uh, stamina dominant, if you will, if you go hard. And then the afternoon is almost always dedicated to conditioning. How long have you been on that, that general paradigm? Uh, I want to say 29 years, but it's probably, I mean, I don't know when I was 15 years old. I'm 44 now. When I started training at 15, I don't know if it was that organized. Mm -hmm. Like when I was 15, it would have been weights during one of my spares or my lunch hour at high school. It would have been wrestling in the afternoon after school. And then it would have been like any amount of God, you'll laugh. This is a funny story. Remember Tony Little? I do remember. I definitely remember Tony Little. You can do it, that guy. I used to do his abdominizer workout every night. It was like a little strap you would put on your legs to keep them bent at a 45-degree angle, and you'd put in his VHS videotape, and you'd run through like crunches and side crunches and obliques. And like I would do that literally every night of my life. The thing, the thing about it is that stuff was fun. Yeah. Right. That stuff, that's stuff, people, people like to shit on that part. I mean, I'm going to curse too. You know what? We're, do, we're doing it. People like to, to shit on some of the old hokey gimmicky stuff. I had Tony Horton on the podcast a few months ago. Tony's a lot of fun. He's a real straight shooter. He's been doing this for a long time. Yep. And like, ultimately you can criticize all you want about the infomercial workout stuff, but they got people moving and sometimes it's just, it's just fun to pop in a videotape and, and do what someone with good energy is telling you to do for five to 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. I still have a six pack. Like <laughs> it, it wasn't easy when you'd run through this. I think it was like an 18 minute video. You do hundreds of crunches and sit-ups and leg raises and bends. And like, it was a really good abdominal workout. I bet you if I watched it right now and replicated it, I would have sore abs for a couple of days. Yeah, And so if you look at that, it's like my three workouts of the day, because I used to do the ab thing before bed every night. It probably started somewhere in there. I would say when it got more formal, when I was in university, I started paying a lot more attention to what I was doing and when. Workouts became a lot less random and a lot more planned. Mm-hmm. 
let's talk a little bit about your athletic background. I know you have a significant history in combat sports as well. I mean, these days you work out for a living, not too bad for folks. I think a lot of folks listening to this podcast are, are pretty envious of that. We'll get to that in a second, but take us through, you know, from wrestling in high school on through kind of your structured training and how that evolved over your sports career. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start at the beginning. I actually didn't get into wrestling because I loved combat sports or because I was good at it. Up until about 15 years old, 16 years old, I was bullied heavily. Mm. Like kids used to draw dicks on my forehead on the bus. They'd rip my underwear out, wedgie me. I got punched in the face multiple times. I got beat up. It all culminated for me. These four kids beat me up and broke my collarbone. And I was scared. I was lonely. I didn't know what else to do. I couldn't make the football team, couldn't make the basketball team, couldn't make the soccer team, couldn't make the handball team, couldn't make the lacrosse team. But wrestling didn't have cuts. So I was like, I got to do something. I'll go wrestle. My first year, I literally lost every single match. So I was like, oh, and 40. My second year, I won one match out of 40. And that was one of the greatest moments of my life. Like, talk about just an effort in futility, losing and losing and losing. And then finally you win, and it felt amazing. And from there, I I was hooked. And my confidence grew. I started getting better. Well, eventually, I found myself on the Olympic ladder in, in Canada. I had a stellar university wrestling career, and I didn't make the Olympics, and it crushed me. Some of that was my own fault my own stupidity, my own uh, naivety, uh, uh, my own stubbornness, if you will. But I kind of felt empty. I didn't know what else to do. I was fortunate enough to live in London, Ontario. And at the time, there was a guy named Sean Tompkins who became a legendary trainer in MMA. Uh, He trained Mark Hominick, Sammy Stout, a bunch of other people. Uh, His guys wanted to learn how to wrestle. I was a good wrestler. I started going out, teaching them how to wrestle. They started teaching me how to kickbox. And he came to me one day. It's funny how, how a fight career starts. You know, uh, some people have this like, I, from the moment I watched UFC one, it spoke to me and I wanted to, no, no, no. He came up to me and said, how would you like to go to Edmonton city in Canada, punch some people in the face and make 500 bucks. And I'm like, sign me up. How, how old, how, how old were you at this time? Man, I was 21 or 22. If someone's just like, that's the age at which someone's like, hey, do you want to go to a different city and like have a good time? You, yeah. just, you just say yes. Yep. And that's exactly, I didn't really know what it entailed. Like I knew it entailed getting in a fight, but I didn't really have a concept of like, I'm in a cage, I'm fighting. It matters if I win or lose. Like it's just something I did and I won and I won another fight. Then I won another fight. Then I won another fight. Uh, at one point, I was ranked second in the world for amateur kickboxing, and I found myself in the UFC. And so that's how combat sports started for the one known as Bobby Bassins. Take us through that that mixed martial arts career until until that career. Like, what was the full arc of that career? So early, earlier days of UFC, certainly. Yep. Yeah. So. So I started off at lesser organizations, if you will. I shouldn't call them lesser. They were lesser known. You still had good fights, but the UFC, that's the pinnacle. That's the cream of the crop. I fought at some lesser organizations. Uh, I ended up on the Ultimate Fighter Season 2, blew my shoulder out on the show, had a so-called career-ending injury, had to rehab my way back, 
got a UFC contract, fought in UFC 58, Ultimate Fight Night 5. I won submission of the night in that. I lost at UFC 62, got my contract cut, fought another fight at Ring of Fire, which was a high-level organization. I won their light heavyweight world championship. Then I had a couple of other fights. And in 2009, I retired because I had my first kid. And I really didn't think that I could fight and be the best dad I could at the same time. At the And, and by the way, concurrently to this, my strength and conditioning career was taking right off. Mm. And so there was some conflicts. I was teaching military seminars to SEALs, Rangers, Delta, some people from the CIA, FBI, like a bunch of groups. And so fighting just kind of became something I phased out of. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I was kind of like, I think I can still do this. And so in 2015, 2016, maybe, I got heavily involved in jujitsu again, like formal jujitsu. And it's funny, we're talking about being a dad and retiring because you could probably hear my kids yelling upstairs in the background. But um, I got heavily involved in jujitsu and then... You know, I, I I won gi and no gi world championships at every belt level. And then in 2022, I had the opportunity to go on the Ultimate Fighter again. And I became the oldest person in the history of the show. And and that was, I, I really think as I say this, and this, I guess this might be my retirement announcement. I don't fucking know. I, I, I think that was my last MMA fight. Hmm. I don't, I, I kind of got everything out. I, I proved to myself what I needed to prove, and and here we are. What was it like returning to that show decades later, especially given the growth of that sport in the mainstream? I hate to sound uh, like too optimistic, but it was all gravy. <laughs> like for me, I just wanted to prove to myself: Did I retire too early? Could I have been doing this for the last ten years? And the answer was yes. I had a good, you know, decent performance on the show. Uh, I was able to hang uh, at 44 years old, which is not easy. I got the answers I needed to get the, the 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 answers to questions I was asking myself. And so for me, it was just really surreal. Mm. I really had a chance because here's the thing: when you're young, when you're young, you don't take time to enjoy things, and like you don't have a realization like this might never happen again. So just as an example, my last UFC fight, UFC 62, I didn't smell the mat. I didn't run my fingers along the cage. I didn't take a moment in the back to just look around and be like, holy shit, this is cool. I was there to win, not lose, focus on what needed to get done, get a paycheck. Like You're not thinking of the bigger picture. This experience, I was really able to connect with people from the camera crew connect with the other competitors in the house, really just take time to enjoy and reflect. And I don't think a lot of people get the opportunity to do that because again, when you're young and you're driven and you're, that stuff kind of kind of passes you by. I mean, there's a Ferris Bueller quote here, right? You got to have, you got to like stop and smell things and stop and look around a little bit, right? Yep. I mean, I mean, look at you, right? Like, like you're building this empire at Marbend and, and you're doing all this work, but like, When's the last time you sat down at the end of the day, poured yourself a drink and just said, fuck, I did awesome today, David. 
Well, Bobby, you don't, I'm, I'm recording in a different part of my apartment, but I do have a whiskey library on the second floor. So that actually happens more than you might think. It's been a reflective few months. <laughs> well, like that's, that's important because you'll never get this time back. And, and the thing is, I wouldn't have ever realized to do that. You know, it's whether you're doing something in fitness. I mean, the fitness industry, which I do want to get to, to in a second, is very much, it's a lot of flash these days. And it's a lot of people trying to sell you something. Yep. And and I get it. And it's very difficult, I think, in this era of fitness where it's social media driven, it's all about keeping up with the Jones- Joneses to be reflective, right? Yep. Like I feel like we started Barben and I blinked and then we here six years later we had 35 million readers, right? Like that, like that's what happened, right? And it wasn't until this year that I had people say, Hey, you need to reflect on this because you're really gonna regret 10 years from now when you didn't reflect on this. Yep. And I'm so glad someone said that, but I never would have figured that out myself until it was too late, right? So for you to get a chance to go back on the show, to to relive that lifestyle, to be re-ingrained in that community is really, really, pardon my French, really fucking cool. And I hope it's something that your kids are super proud of you for. And I'm sure they are. Oh, they are. And I, and I talk to them about like, it's it's funny. We have a pretty cool life. Like we get to do a lot of things that normal people don't get to do. Like just as an example, I've become friends with one of the guys from Nickelback through a common love of jujitsu. And by the way, his name's Michael Kroger. The dude is a badass on the mats, but we've got to be friends. And I got to go in Salt Lake, go backstage and sit front row at a Nickelback concert. Like what a cool fucking experience. You know what I mean? And like explaining to my kids that like not everyone gets to do that. A lot of people would kill for that opportunity. Or I've I've been golfing with Mike Weir, who's a master's champion. You know, people would want to golf with Mike Weir or shoot free throws with an NBA player. Like we have had so many amazing experiences as a family. I always try to talk to my boys about just being grateful for this stuff. Because it's it's it, it there are things that may seem normal to us because they happen a fair amount, but that normal people don't have the opportunity to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and and even I'll bring it back to this podcast, like not to pump your tires too much, but there was a time I couldn't get on a podcast. There was a time no one was calling me. There was a time like I still remember like the first time somebody asked me to be on a podcast. Like, really? Oh my God, this is and when you've done 500 of them now or a thousand now, God, I don't know how many I've been on. Sometimes they start to feel like work. Sometimes like, oh God, I got to do another podcast today. But I always try to flip myself back to when I was got my first one and remember like, and keep that same enthusiasm, keep that same gratitude. You know what I mean? I want to completely change trajectory here for a second because the time on these if you're recording with someone and you're driving it just like slips by and i want to make sure i ask this we talked before we were recording about a no bullshit attitude and transparency especially in fitness yep. who do you think besides yourself because i know it's a big part of your persona and your and how you educate people and and how you coach who in the fitness industry do you look at and you say, hey, I really like their no bullshit approach and I actually believe what they're saying? Oh man, that's easy. He's actually a mentor of mine. He's become a very dear friend, C.T. Fletcher. Okay. Like he's a guy. 
Does he really train arms every damn day? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he yes, he's obsessed, but the dude speaks from his heart. He's got a heart of gold. He's honest to a fault. As he would say, I don't give a fuck what you think about me. Like he is as real as he gets. How did you originally connect with CT? You know, we were uh, we we're actually staying at the same hotel at man, the 2014 Arnold, maybe. Maybe the 2015, like it was an Arnold, and I've been to a bunch of them, and we were staying at the same hotel, and I was very aware of who he was, and it was actually funny because he came up to me. He's like, Bobby fucking Maximus, and I'm like, oh my God, you know who I am? And we started talking, we had a lot in common, and uh, just like a great human being, and, and listen, a, a man of the people. Like one of the things that I really respect about him is he will shake your hand. He will look you in the eye. He will take time for you. He will tell you what's what. For as famous as he's become, he's always been grounded. And I really appreciate that. It's like some of these dudes, man, online, it's like, get over yourself. Nobody knows who you are in the real world. Like, cool, you have a couple of hundred thousand followers and you're a fitness guy, but like, you're not better than anybody. People can really get a big, head about them that's not him who in the fitness industry would you like to connect with in person but you haven't had a chance to yet oh god you know how bad i would want to train with arnold schwarzenegger it's so funny because eb samuel who connected you and me i know i i had him on the podcast to talk about training with arnold schwarzenegger so like walk walk me through because like you can probably make this happen as ct fletcher would say you're bobby fucking maximus you could probably make this happen but like let's let's manifest here what what is your ideal training session with Arnold? You know, I don't know if I have one. I would want to be in Venice Beach. Like I'd want to be at the original Golds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I would just want to have him put me through a workout. Like just the opportunity. And I say this because listen, I'm known as the king of functional fitness. I I, you know, I wrote the programming and coach, the first CrossFit Games team to win the games back to back. I've done stuff in combat sports. You know who helped me get my start? Arnold. The Arnold Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, Muscle and Fitness, Men's Health. Like it was, I had Arnold posters on the wall. And so that would be one of those full circle movements. I remember being 15 years old, getting pinned under an empty York barbell, looking over at like the poster of Arnold on the wall. And it's like, how cool would it be? to just hang out with the dude for an hour and train. It's easy to forget how transcendently famous some of these fitness icons are. I I was training at a gym in Rome one summer in Italy, and I remember I was training in, in weightlifting, and the only poster they had on the wall that featured a person was Sylvester Stallone. Yep. Because he was as a fitness icon for the people who went to that gym. So Sylvester Stallone is not a weightlifter. He's not do- doing the snatch and the clean and jerk. And it, well, he actually did clean and jerk in the last Rocky movie, right? Like poorly, one would argue. But for him, that was their physical culture icon for the people at that gym, right? And I think we forget the impact that people like Arnold, that people like Stallone had internationally when it came to an acceptance of of the body and pushing your physical limits. I mean, who's the Mount Rushmore, right? Like, like really, if you're if you're in your 40s, it's it's gotta be Arnold. It's gotta be Sly Stallone. It's gotta be Hulk Hogan with the prayers and the vitamins. 
And for the fourth, it's probably Mr. T. Like, just iconic. Like, everyone in the world knows who these guys are. The the physique, like maybe Lou Ferrigno, you could have an argument over 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 Mr. T, but like yeah. there are people that it's just like unreal what they've done and how much they've influenced the fitness world. And then I like when you go one generation before that, right? What's really fun is if you ever hear Arnold interviewed about who inspired him. And then he's referencing Tommy Kono. He's referencing some of the original Mr. Universe guys. And it just becomes this this web of people inspiring people. Do you see yourself as someone who's inspired a next generation in the fitness community man i hope i do mm-hmm. like it's 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 I, I i try not to not to put myself on that much of a pedestal because i don't want my message to get diluted like really if i could be anything i hope i'm a model for the everyday man like the everyday 45 year old out there who wants to live a better life wants a better marriage wants to, to have better career make more money like like feel better about themselves that's who i hope i inspire and and so i would i would like to say that yeah i mean i i hope i've inspired people online otherwise like what the hell am i doing what is something you'd like to explore it could be a modality of fitness could be something in physical culture you know for example like i have a a goal like i want to go lift the denny stones at some point haven't done that may have the opportunity to to do that sometime that's like one of my goals. Do you have anything that you you look forward and you go, you know, I'm retired from fighting. I gave that. I proved to myself I could still do that, but I kind of want to chase this. You know, not really. And I know that's a boring answer. No, it's okay. I have always been so in love with the process. Like for me, here's the thing. There's this whole deal where to meditate, you got to sit cross-legged, you got to listen to a certain type of music at a a certain like gigahertz and you got to, no, 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 fuck that. For me, my meditation time, my church is just showing up at the gym and doing stuff. And so I don't have these like big overarching goals about like, hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to run a marathon. I want to complete an Ironman. It's like, I just am so in love with human movement. It's it's whatever to me. It's just become such a part of my day. It's it's and, and that's freeing, by the way, because I never feel like we talked earlier. I never feel like I have a good or bad workout. It's just something I do because I love it. Bobby, where's the best place for people to people to follow along with you? The work you do. Um, I know you're across platforms. I know you do a lot of writing. I know you do a lot of coaching, consulting. Give us that rundown. This is the time for the plugs. I mean, Bobby Maximus, like it, we live in a world where you're, you're, and I heard Dan Fleischman talking about this. He's a brilliant guy, by the way, but your name is your real estate. Mm. So like you go to Instagram, it's Bobby Maximus. You go to threads, Bobby Maximus. You go to Twitter, Bobby Maximus, not Twitter anymore. It's called X. Yeah, yeah. That's a new one. Yeah. <laughs> and you go to X, it's Bobby Maximus. You, you go to the Google, it's Bobby Maximus. So just honestly, you want to find me? I ain't hard to find. Go in your your machine, type Bobby Maximus, and here we are. What is something that you think people can get more out of what you put out there digitally? Uh, Consistency. Mm. Like, you know, we're so, and you said it earlier, like with transparency, people are always trying to sell you something. People are always telling you there's a complicated way to do shit. And like, I've been screaming from the rooftops for years. Eat healthy, show up every day and sleep eight hours a night. Like 
don't try to dissect what I'm saying. Don't try to complicate it. Don't try to guess what my angle is. Like, honestly, just read the message. Show the fuck up and you will improve. That's it. Bobby, I appreciate it. It is a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better. Hopefully, we can do this again sometime in the future. And I appreciate your time today. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And again, it's an honor and a privilege and uh, grateful. And congrats on all your success. Like, it gets kind of cool. Like, Barbend wasn't a thing in, I, I don't know when you started, but like, I don't remember Barbend in 2008. I don't remember in 2010. And then all of a sudden, it's like I'm seeing it everywhere. So awesome job. Yeah, like I said, you know, we started in 2016. We kind of put our heads in the tank and I, I looked up six years later to take a breath and suddenly it was like, oh, oh, this is a thing now. And sometimes like, but that's the thing. You got to love the process, right? Yeah. And it's, it's pretty damn cool. There weren't a ton of, there weren't a ton of little goals along the way. It was just every day, immerse myself in this. This is what I do. This is who I am. This is my day. You know, this is part of the culture. This is part of what I, what I practice. And yeah, and it, it builds over time. So compounds just like any training. Well, yeah, and it, it shows that relates to my last point. If you just do the thing every day and work hard, good shit happens. So good on you. Couldn't end on better words, Bobby. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you.